CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to another episode of the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week in rare form is one Mr. Josh Babbitt. You might know him as JB in uh, many of the socials and on the THP forum. Mr. Josh Babbitt, welcome back, my friend. Glad to be here. What are we talking about today? What aren't we talking about today? You like right as we go to air, he goes, We should flip this after talking for five minutes about what we're going to speak about because we should flip this where I interview you. And I think it's his goal today. We'll see what happens. But uh, there's lots to talk about. And, and I'm going to start with one of the conversations that I think will be the most challenging for you. Are you ready for it? Sure. Okay. I know you are what some would consider to be a pace of play psychopath. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you're playing and it's not an hour and a half, it's probably an issue. Um, when other people are playing, there's a different number in mind and usually it's hard to get there. Is that all fair? No. Hour and a half would be uh, as foursomes would be fast for, you know, that uh, no. But in, I, in a perfect JV world, is an hour and a oh, half that, round not ideal? Uh, two hours. Two okay. Hours. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my apologies. In the ideal world. But in uh, reality, that's not <clears throat> it. But okay. explain to me before you go on. Okay. Explain to me because I'm already turning the tables here. Yeah. Didn't take how long. golf without changing anything rules wise, other than making the equipment and everything better, went from four hour pace of play to four and a half hour pace of play with nothing changing. You're still <laughs> playing the same course. It's so, because people could not physically do four hours. You're you're asking the question I was going to ask, and and I think that's perfect because there has been such a discussion about pace of play. Uh, especially locally. I, th I think courses have to do it at this point because it's so competitive getting the tee times and going out to play that they need to police it in a manner that they can get all the rounds in they, they have. Um, <clears throat> my course has been incredibly fond of pressing pace of play, but it's more reasonable, like somewhere between 410 and 420 is expected, which I think in any primetime location is perfectly reasonable. Not Not perfect, but reasonable. Considering the the variety of skill levels that exist, um, but when the when things changed the the quarantine and all that, everyone got their own cart, so everyone got really comfortable playing in three and a half hours because they didn't have all the excuses that you have currently to to deal with pace of play issues. So, my question was: Is there a perfect pace of play number? on average not what you want but what you can expect from people yeah i the perfect pace of play average should be four hours it's four what hours it always was um that takes into consideration a lot of things now you hint you brought something to the forefront that i think a lot of people never talk about when they talk about pace of play it's always playing the wrong tees searching for balls uh two tee times too close together and all those things play a small part in pace of play the cart plays a huge part in pace of play. Yeah. And people not knowing how the F to use a cart is a huge, huge problem in pace listen, of play. Listen, and then man, you have I'm the not... other, the flip side of that of the walker saying, oh, I, I play faster walking. That, that's fucking nonsense. Let's, yeah. Let's I'm not Morgan here. You can use the fancy words on my show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but what we saw what everybody having their own <clears throat> quote unquote vehicle does for golf during COVID. We read packed tee sheets, but everybody had their own cart and everybody finished timely. This all goes back to my theory, and it's not really a theory, it's been proven at this point, that if everybody had their own transportation on a golf course, golf course would be better. So part of this falls back on the golf course because it is possible. Thin scooters, single ride carts, these are all things, these, these all exist and could be done, but the course can't afford to purchase them because like everything else, they cost way more than they used to to top off with fertilizer employees and everything else. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I brought it up because I, I can still function. I think at four hours and 30 minutes, I start to get a little bit cranky about pace of play um, only because there's an understanding that if I'm playing during a prime time, I think it's unrealistic to expect sub four hours that there's just too many factors that are involved, too many skill levels, too many people talking, too many money games, I think 420 is about that threshold where I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's fine. I'm not mad about it. But what I've noticed 
is there is an increase in people who are genuinely bothered playing in what's considered reasonable pace. And by that, I mean somewhere between 410 and 420, or 405 and 420. Uh, we had uh, an unnamed group behind us a couple weeks ago, and our pace was well within four hours. We were right on the spot four hours. And we were waiting. We're not. We're, it's not like we could go anywhere. And I got a text message saying, hey, why are you guys playing so slow? I'm like, I, I think we've lost our way in what realistic expectations are in the middle of a Saturday. I, I think that that's fair. I will also say course plays a big deal with this, too. Yeah. Like if you go to Ballyhack and you're in a foursome and it's varying skill levels, nobody should be expected to finish in four hours. It's <laughs> going to take longer. Sure. So when we talk about pace of play, I think it's also important to talk about nobody should ever be upset about the time it takes to play golf. What they should be upset about is the time it takes when you're just standing there doing freaking nothing. I, I Watching think the, a guy play slap tickle in front of you with his friends before hitting the ball. Well, that's the hard part. And I think my generation has found ways to busy themselves when they're younger than me by the way i'm not talking about you for the record you old fart so my generation has found ways to entertain themselves in the window they're operating in and the idea is the last thing i want to do is play quickly just to wait again so if if i if i recognize that the group in front of me has a pace they will play and there's a group in front of them there's nowhere we can go so Taking a little bit longer is no taxation on me. But okay, so issue... let me ask you this though. Let's say the group in front of you do- does have a place to go. Okay, that's do you where still things hang change. back and go slow, no. or do you put some pressure? Hell no. If, if we're setting the pace if, and there's one group that's an issue, at that point, I'm like, we're gonna ride them until they either pick it up or let us go through. Uh, there is a there is a pace that I'm willing to play down to that. At, and that's in that four to four twenty range. If they're playing snail's pace, I'm either making a call or pressing. Definitely. So when I bring this up, a lot of times it, it relates to our events and our experiences. And recently, we've actually been on decent pace. You know, for the last couple, they've been smaller events, so it makes it easier. But we had one a month ago, and the first ten holes were three hours. And we're at a private course with 15-minute tee time intervals and a four caddy finding all your golf balls for you. So what's the slowdown? <laughs> so you did something at an event, and I'm not I'm not misdirecting this question. I, th- I just yeah. think it's additive to it, where you said the caddies can be out there finding your balls. They cannot read your putts for them, for you. Yeah. That wasn't that- my decision, by the way, but yes. And my thought immediately was there's no better way to have someone take longer than to have someone disagree with what they think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there's I, two things that go with that. And it's actually a very yeah. interesting topic. The first is if you allow caddies to read the putt, every single person on the green forgets how to read anything and can never do anything without having the caddy line them up. That is the most baffling thing in the world. You've literally played golf all year long to get to this point, and then you get there, and you cannot make a putt without the caddy telling you where to go. doesn't matter if it's three feet or 50 feet. The other thought of it was, well, maybe that part will speed them up. But there was a gamesmanship involved, I believe, um, by the people who decided that, and I, I went along with it. It was fine by me, that said, hey, let's make it a little more singular. So the person, you know, they got to the dance, let's have them do it. I don't think we will do it again. I think people learned from that a little bit, but that was tough. That was really tough. I just thought it was funny because you're adding some of these additional elements, not to mention it's a new course that people aren't familiar with. So inevitably you will play a little bit slower as you try and resolve or solve each hole as it's laid out for you. Uh, I, I think even some cases it's harder the second time because now you're overthinking everything yeah, based on what you true. did the first time around. But the challenge with comparing these experiences are you are in a premium golf course. A number of them are very challenging. You mentioned Ballyhack. I mean, you miss a little bit. You're going down a hill. <laughs> so not only are, are you looking for a lost ball, but you're also straining your hammy while you're going to it. So, I mean, there's there's multiple factors that go into it. Uh, I I just feel like collectively 
some of these places who do police it well have lost their way a little bit on what is reasonable to expect. I, I would agree with that with the caveat of the flip side of it is, is we as golfers, <clears> and I'll call it a society, the society of golfers have also forgot that there's actually other people on the golf course. <laughs> well, and I mean that sincerely. I think that when you get out there with your group of guys or girls or group event, whatever it is, you are so in the moment, you forget that if you slow down, let's say you're the first group out and you slow down to slightly, let's say slightly slower than the expected pace. First of all, the first group out should never be at the pace. They should always be faster. But let's just say slightly slower. You are literally impacting every single person on the golf course. Yeah. So it's definitely a mindset, right? I just went to a media event where I think the round we had, which was a uh, shotgun, was it a shamble? I don't remember at this point, but it took a very long time. And I don't mean four and a half. I mean like five plus easily uh, with a weather delay. So it's not like um, it's not like it was close, right? And And that's a group of people. I understand there's content being produced and conversations being had that are unusual based on the fact that there's a lot of media uh, but you know, conditionally or, or at least situationally, it was painful. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we're going to, you and I are playing in an event next month. Um, that's going to be the same thing. And it's not because every golfer that goes there is slow. It's because you are set up in some ways to fail. You're pe- you're with people you admire who have great stories and ideas and conversationalists and things like that, and you want to spend more time with them. And you don't often think, hey, let's just play golf. We're in a competition, and we can share these ideas and stories afterwards at dinner. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that every once in a while you have to step off your shot because you look up and you see a giant mountain you're not used to seeing. It's just such a different landscape. Uh, that's very true. Also, <laughs> our, our match is only going to go 14 holes, so we'll be good. That's a good strategy. Yeah. And we're going to play well. I think, so I think it's actually two nine hole matches. So seven each is good. Okay. I'm cool with that. Um, speaking of you and playing golf, I've heard stories or suggestions that you are on the up and up right now. Is there truth to that? Uh, I would say, on short term, yes, there's a little bit of truth to that. I, I found something with a, a, a little swing evaluation I had, and uh, I, I hit the ball pretty darn well the last time out. So <clears throat> peeling back the layers on that a little bit, is there anything more painful than going through a swing evaluation and finding the right person? No, it's hard. Um, so I'll, I'll tell a story here. Uh, that's kind of interesting because I've gone, I've, we've talked about lessons, you and I, for three or four years now, not publicly, privately, um, about fixing our games, about I'm a mess, you are less of a mess, but had a hiccup in one part of your game. You got to stop um, reading my diary, man. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> I keep it under my mattress. Um, but, I was talking to a friend of mine at Golf Tech. And this is not from a THP standpoint. This is from a Josh and him standpoint. And we were talking about lessons. And he said, have you ever gone through a swing evaluation? And I was like, yeah, like freaking every time I go play, everybody's watching me. (laughs) Um, he, He said, no, no, no. It's what we call the first lesson. And it dawned on me that, you know, we always talk about auditions and things like that. Like you go get... You go try equipment before you buy it. You go test things. You want to hear about things. And there's no real place for that for instruction. And I have been a long fan of auditioning instructors and going the Jerry Seinfeld route of finding something wrong with them so I didn't possibly have to go back because it can't in any way be me. It has to be them. Um and it's a really cool thing, especially if you have multiple golf techs in your area. You can just sign up for a swing evaluation and go kind of audition a coach. And I did it. And it was pretty awesome. Um, they had some tools out. He noticed the two things I was doing wrong right off the bat. Had me working on something to fix it. Still not quite taking shape, but it's getting there. Feels comfortable with the longer clubs, which is very rare. Usually it feels much more comfortable with short clubs. 
Hence the reason scoring irons are easier to hit, but I'm still a, a little off with those. But it, I, it was so cool to be able to kind of audition a teacher while getting a lesson that I was pretty into it. I wonder <clears throat> what that's like having someone point out your flaws for you rather than you paying to point out your flaws to them and them sort of just agreeing with you. Like <laughs> it's, that that's been my road. So, yeah, you know, my last instructor um, was not local. So a lot of the stuff, it, you know, I would send them stuff and they would kind of diagnose it and then get it back to me. This person, I went in and he's, they have like a formula, you know, they want you to hit this many shots with this and this many shots with this and this many shots with this. And they kind of just take it all in and they said, have you noticed? And they asked questions and that was one thing that I was really into. Like, Hey, do you notice your divot pattern going this way? Or do you notice the ball flight doing this? What's your biggest weakness? They were asking me all these questions and then came with this idea that, Hey, I think this is what you're doing. And in my head, it was almost to a T what I thought I was doing, but I'd never had to explain it to them while paying them, which as you said, is kind of a tough thing to deal with. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I really got a lot out of it. So what does the future look like then? Because golf was, you've mentioned this a number of times during our, our friendship, which has spanned over a decade now that the ebbs and flows of golf. And I think we all share this can be quite challenging. And there are times when, it's great. And there are times when you feel like, oh man, I'm just, why bother? And I think you were just finishing a phase of why bother while also being deeply in love with the game. So what's it look like now? So it, it's interesting you say that. Cause when I say why, when you say why bother, um, to put it in perspective, I had a content shoot with Mizuno golf, um, four months ago, ironically at Ballyhack, which we were talking about earlier. And the day I was leaving, I called Morgan and I told her I was this close to just leaving my clubs there. Like I was that done. Uh, I was just going to give them to our four caddy. Um, and I got back and she convinced me to hit some balls. And then she convinced me to do the lesson. And I, I was just like, oh, you know, I still love the game. And then all of a sudden you do it and you get the, I got the swing evaluation. And then I went to go play and I'm like, Oh shit, I actually can still play this game at times. It's weird. Um and I think the outlook to take a long story and make it longer um is pretty positive. I'm sure I'm setting myself up for failure. Or I'm going to go out to California for our <laughs> event and I'm going to absolutely suck again. No. But um there's a level of positivity that I saw at this last event I was at that was pretty cool. I played with some people the first day that weren't great golfers. Um, and I'm not going to signal single them out because I don't think that's fair. Um, but they weren't great golfers. And, you know, it's called the hacker's paradise, not the just missed the tour paradise. But I'm playing with them and I'm playing with Adam Rank from the NFL Network, who's also not a great golfer. And those guys were way more into having fun than I was and I shot 75 and they had way more fun than I did. And I got back to the cottage cause everybody else went back out and I went into power safe mode and <laughs> I called a friend of mine and I said, man, there's something seriously wrong with me that I'm upset at this, even though I bested my handicap by five strokes and those guys could have shot 300 and wouldn't have cared at all. They were all smiles. Like that puts some things in perspective as I hit the microphone that puts some things in perspective that um, I hadn't really thought about. And I was, it was pretty cool. Okay. <clears throat> well, one of the biggest changes I think for you over the years, it was always like one thing was wrong and you had like, I think for a long time you had a very strong short game. It was like JB gets up and down from everywhere. It's a combination of annoying and expected. Uh, and then I think you went through a phase where you're like, I don't know where the hell this putt's going, let alone my driver. So for me, for earlier this year, it was, I don't know where anything is going. Yeah. Uh, reference again to Ballyhacker there last year and, and you hit some shots. Uh, I could have sworn your aim in one way. They went another way. And you're looking back at me and like, I can't believe that didn't go the totally other way. So it's like, for me, it, it I've always leaned on the things that have been great. And I think there's always been parts of my game that have existed that have been strong enough to carry the other parts uh, and make it still fun. Whereas you are at the point of pure chaos. 
but now you've sort of reeled it back in. And, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of folks are resonating with this because golf is a really freaking hard game to master, let alone play well. Um, but it sounds like a, a swing evaluation might be something that solves a lot of those issues. And that's a, a big thing going on right now with golf tech. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to make this about golf tech. It's not really about them. It just happened to be helping me, but well, it's so better you, for me now. Cause I'm about to go do it myself. <laughs> it's that you, easy. <laughs> you referenced something that was super interesting and you know, we've played a lot of golf together over the years, although I don't think we've ever actually played full 18 holes. <laughs> um, Some of us have. Yeah. You hit the ball a, a long way for most people. You know, you generate a lot of speed and because of that, when a driver, let's say wasn't working, you can go play an iron and your iron game has always been exceptionally strong um, that your iron off the tee goes as far or further than most people's driver. And, and I'm not saying that to butter Dan up as the host or anything like that, because this is my show now. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's true. And you've always been able to, when that went bad, you weren't enjoying the game as much, but you could go out there and compete with anybody within reason, you know, at an event or anything else because of that speed for the lay person like me, if I had to do that, I would be in real trouble. So it always started with the other thing, but I still go back to those guys. Like I'm, we're going out to California and if I shoot 140, I mean, we're going to lose, but if I shoot 140, I don't really care. I like, do. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> but what I mean by that is like, it, it was time for me as I'm, you know, getting close to 50 <clears throat> years old here in a few months to embrace the fact that this game is awesome and yeah. the people in it are awesome. And I am so humbled with the ability to play with so many different people. I, I take it. I took it for granted for a long time. And now it's just like the most humbling thing in the world. And it's just awesome. And if I happen to play better, great. But I'm not going to stop working at it because I do. I mean, winning's way better than losing. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I have a question about your golf bag in general, because you, you've long had a very strange setup at the top of the bag, something that you'd not see most people do. Um, and I was having a conversation with some guys um, the other day about willingness to make changes and, and not small changes, like big changes where you maybe have always been a hybrid guy and you choose to go to two woods or in your case, you've been a double driver guy, one more looking like a three wood uh, in length. Do you do you feel like you're locked in with that style or is that just what has worked and what will continue to work? So I'll, if you if we have time, I'll give you the quick backstory on why that came to be. Sure. And why it stayed. So it came to be because I fucking sucked at hitting driver. And. I needed something to where I knew I could get out there. So I found the most forgiving head I could find, made it shorter, and I had a fairway finder. And I would use it about half the time if a hole wasn't open. The last three rounds, outside of having to hit it because the driver went too far, so to speak, you know, if it was a dog leg or something like that, I haven't touched it. So you're going to see me put a fairway wood back in the bag next year, I think. I'm the least locked in person with a golf bag ever because every round I have a different set of clubs. Okay. Uh, do you think that if people looked at your golf bag, they could guess your handicap? No, <laughs> no. I played a full set of hybrid irons with two drivers sticking out the top of it. And at the time I was a 4.1. So we had an interesting question asked on the forum a couple of days ago, where it is targeting two 10 handicap players and, the the intentionally polar opposites in the bag one is actually it was a troll and one was uh blades and a blade putter and a premium ball and the other one was like as forgiving as you could get and the question was who's better i, I think that was an interesting conversation because it really discounts the variety that this golf game can present and not just based on the clubs that you play but your skill level throughout the bag you mentioned being a disaster off the tee. I know tons of guys who can hit the ball within you know, 15 feet with a six iron, but can't keep the driver on the planet. <laughs> so so it should never. Yeah. I said six iron blade from oh, no, 15 no. feet. <laughs> so six iron super game improvement. Definitely. But 
Um, it, it was just a really weird thing. And, and I, I haven't been able to get it on my head because I've had a Franken bag for a long time. I put some really weird stuff in, in the top. You've had a very unique bag. We see lots of THPers come out with just crazy bags full of hybrids or, you know, different uh, woods. And it, it never really seems to be anything other than we just love to tinker. And we love the idea of solving that equation in different ways rather than the assumed way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to flip this on you since I'm the interviewer. Oh, yeah, for sure. You are a guy who tinkers quite a bit. You know, mm -hmm. you mess with stuff, but there are certain things you're pretty set in your ways with. Although the putter change was shocking and awesome, effortful. Uh, yeah, you're you're going to go to California and get fit for a new set of clubs. What are you going to do about grips? You haven't changed your grips in like ten years. Um, you know, that's an interesting thought, and I don't know. We'll see. Don't uh, be the guy who brings the grips. I I don't I think I've run out at this point, unfortunately. Um he's talking about Lambkin Eyelines, which are the greatest group ever designed ever. Horrible. Horrible. Uh, I actually I was surprised. I don't know if Golf Pride's changed their multi-compound a little bit, but I, I have one on my driver right now and I actually really like it. It it's not as sandpapery as I remember it. If you like those, try the Lambkin ST grips. They're like they're like a almost to me. They're almost a combo of multi compound and eye line. I feel like maybe James had them on his some of his clubs for a while, and I mm -hmm. tried them and thought they were very impressive. I, I haven't put a ton of thought into grips, and and maybe that's a healthy thing to say. <laughs> Probably. Um, um, no, you said something about you know the the different type of skill levels. You know, to me, they're the same golfer, and it was a troll post um, to say that people care too much about equipment. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I mean, did anybody think KJ Choi was a hack when he had six hybrids in his bag? Like, I, I think there's, there's probably <laughs> too much gone into that. I believe that the equipment landscape has changed so much with how good these clubs are made. I mean, companies now are making irons individually instead of as a set. And I view each club as a tool. And if, if a set, I love a set, but you know, lower than the seven, I'm hitting it a little too low. I'll find something else and go six. I'll, I'll play five different irons. I have no problem with that. So I think that discussion I've heard out of you a number of times this year that the, the quality of the product is getting so strong that you do have more freedom to blur the lines a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that the day and age of golfers going with the full set bag is not dead. Like golfers are stuck in their ways. Like nobody's business, <clears throat> Dan. Um, but I would say that if the golfer does completely open up their mind, the Franken bags that they create can legitimately save them strokes on the golf course. Legitimately. Yeah. Be it like use have finding a certain wedge that you're using just for a specific shot because you play the same course a lot or, finding a hybrid that is just perfect for you on these certain par fives. I, like I, there's just so much that can be done out there. I'm going to go back to the golf side of things for another question. I think it's going to probably tweak you a bit. You ready? Awesome. <laughs> In what situation should birdie or better always get honors? Every situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think it depends on the round. Yeah. So th this was another topic that was brought up um, about superstition. And and I like to joke with my guys, if you make birdie, you had better be ready to hit off the next tee because I am waiting for you. Yeah, I agree with that. And I will heckle you if you're messing around on your phone in your cart and it's our turn to hit. So you're at the course. You're not necessarily on the clock, but you're not playing quick. And buddy who just makes a birdie is sitting in the cart looking oh, for fuck him. I'm new, hitting new golf shoes on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I'm hitting. First of all, anybody really? who buys golf shoes on eBay, they, they should <laughs> they, they use, should play behind me anyway. Yeah, use, that, use that's golf gross. shoes. Yeah. Um, no, if if you make a birdie, celebrate that birdie by being ready on the next tee shot. <laughs> so, do you feel differently about your potential if you play ahead of one? No. But I do think a lot of people do. It It's an easy thing to blame someone else for your <laughs> misfortunes if it's their fault that you've hit early. That's the way I see it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair. I, I it's not the way I view it, but I think that's fair. I I think honors is uh, something that belongs in our sport. I think it's uh, a, a sensible, fair way to celebrate someone's yeah uh, betterment of the whole than everyone else. And I I would agree I, with that, but I think there are there are exceptions. Okay. You know, like if you're playing with your your group of guys, okay, and you notice you're falling behind a bit, mm-hmm. and a guy makes a birdie, but he's not ready. He let's say his glove ripped and he needs to get a new glove, or he's texting his his wife to get permission to have a burger after the round, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, F that guy. I'm, I'm taking the <laughs> I'm taking the honors. Yeah, that that is fair. And I'll go a step further. Where do you stand on ready golf and match play? So I, I do want to add to that and I'll, I'll be happy to respond, but I feel like birdie or better is a critical point here. If you both, if one of you makes a par and the other makes a bogey, I don't think anyone should get honors. You just keep playing golf, but uh, birdie or better. I, I just feel differently about match play is an interesting one because first of all, if you're playing a match, I guarantee it's slower than normal golf. There's very exactly. few people and it shouldn't be because there's concessions. Yeah, right. They're very well. Yeah. Tell that to the next member member you go to where you're playing uh alt shot on day two and it's longer than the shamble on day one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think match play is an interesting one because you do have to play by the rules. And, and if you hit a great shot and you're playing out of turn, they have every right to call you back, I believe, and force you to play that over. So there's a uh, th- there might be an, a need for a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, and that's normally team. like it, when I was referring to it, I was I was referring to the fact that you know on the tee box your group's falling behind. The group says, "Hey, play ready golf." Yeah, but at the same time, you might want to play ready golf, but they you might also want to see that shot that they're going to hit because they're yeah. hitting first. So, so I think there's a little bit of that too. I will make one one point of note there. I, I don't think ready golf solves pace of play in total by playing first i do think ready golf solves it in that if you have to see that shot you had better be ready to play yours straight away there there shouldn't be like all right now that i've watched them i'm gonna go get my yardage pick a golf club check the wind maybe my horoscope and then hit don't forget the three back offs yeah you know what i mean like if if you want to see it sure it it definitely makes a uh a change in the way you hit based on the results that they have, but be ready to play your ball. I think is the critical point. If you're going to take that time, we see a lot of, let me see what they do. And then they start their routine and their routine. For some reason, even if a caddy gives them their distance always involves lasering the pin. There's a reason why lawn chairs aren't allowed on a golf course. I they should be. God, yeah, that tripped me up. Uh, speaking of not belonging on a golf course, do you watch the Netflix Cup this week? I did. That was quite the segue, too. That's impressive. <laughs> well, I think we've beaten that one uh, to death, and, and I thought it was appropriate because I don't really know what I watched the other day. Uh, so I actually had some hope for this, despite not knowing any of the other guys. Like, I, It's just not a sport I follow. The F1, yeah? Yeah. Um. And I had high hopes because I think a lot of the things that Netflix does around sport are really good. I thought quarterback started really good. I thought it got pretty bad quickly. But I I thought most of the stuff that they're involved with with that would have been high in production, really interesting, do some backstory. I thought it was terrible. (laughs) I, I, I watched the first 30 minutes of it and literally found anything on tv i could watch instead of it yeah that that's pretty much i i think i made it through two holes and when uh was it marshawn lynch uh did a flyover of the second hole and it had almost nothing to do with golf including all the words used it just it felt like trying way too hard because i i think the cast was phenomenal burt kreischer's hilarious he could have been my favorite out there uh damon heckling people was awesome but then you put a guy like marshawn out there phenomenal football player uh, a yeah, heck and of a, a great product. personality uh seems like an entertaining dude but does it blend no and i think that was the problem because i think marshawn lynch and his personality could have blended well it just seemed so forced it everything seems was so, so forced. forced 
everything in the production was so forced that it came off as just trying too hard. Like on do the you think people? Do you think fans enjoyed it? I don't know. Because the, the hard part is, as a golfer who likes other things and saw people on the broadcast who I liked, it was not additive. Especially like you get to the first tee box and it's like, Oh, hey, there's a famous person. Hey, there's another famous person. Let's interview them. I'm like, are you interviewing this to make our day better or just to say like, hey, this person's there? Yeah, it was definitely the latter. And so it relates back to, do you remember when the match was fresh and new and it was Phil versus Tiger? Yeah. And everybody was super into it. And when we got there, we had Phil talking because that's what Phil does. Charles Barkley talking because that's what Charles does. And it was really good, except Tiger didn't say a word. Like it was so awkward because you could not get him to talk. And it was still entertaining. And then the second one rolled around and it was Phil with uh, somebody and then Steph Curry was involved, things like that. It was still really, or no, it was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. That's who it was. It was yeah, still really Brady entertaining. Ripped, I think the most entertaining thing of that was when Brady ripped his pants. <laughs> or when he holed out from the fairway. It was pretty with, awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, every single person on golf social media saying that, oh, he's not a 10. I could beat him. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but they were still really entertaining. And then you go to the 731st version of the match, and you're like, why is this on TV? Like, what are we even doing here? Well, you need personality, first of all. I thought the one they did where it was uh, JT out there and Rory talking about Donato's or Domino's Pizza and stuff like that. That was like, there's memorable parts to it. Um, but again, I think it relies on the entertainment coming out of the year of the players. There was one night one they did, and I can't remember which one it was, but they let the guys talk a bit more and it, it changed the entire landscape of it, which I thought was a good thing. Like we don't need a bunch of, and, and you know what? That's not fair because I feel like non-golfers who might tune in maybe do need that. But that was the part that drew me in as a golf fan. I want to hear the way these guys think. I want to hear the way these guys heckle each other. I want to hear the way they deal with shots. And I know it drives people nuts listening to Spieth on the broadcast, but I think it's hilarious to hear him overthink a, a shot for, you know, that means nothing as opposed to means millions. You know what I mean? I do. And unfortunately, going back to the, the question you had, I don't think the Netflix Cup gave us anything. Like, it didn't <clears> give us any of that. Well, <laughs> and I'm looking at it from both the golf fan and the entertainment fan. Like it just offered very little. It was just confusing. They had to go back to video replay on the first hole to figure out who won. <laughs> it just seemed so scattered. I, I don't know. Maybe people loved it. Uh, I, I thought full swing was excellent. I thought it was really fun to to dive into the players. A very interesting year for it to go down. And, and, and the second one's going to be even more interesting because they were rolling tape during the big announcement of merger. Oh God. So yeah, I mean, all, all of that is fascinating to me. I just, I was hoping for a different experience and I don't really know what that was, Josh. I just, it, it was just weird. Isn't golf coverage when it's non-traditional. So take the, the majors out and take a typical PGA tour event out and even take live golf out because while not traditional in any way, people either like it or they don't in a lot of ways, but isn't golf coverage that's non-traditional you, you just know it by looking at it. Does it work or does it not work? And that I, didn't work. Yeah. Well, I think overall golf coverage seems like it could do better. I mean, there's there's an awful lot that's not happening and an awful lot that is. It's like uh, you get, and I'll give you another example. You get to the most critical times of the year, the biggest, the biggest tournaments, the most interesting times. And I feel like when we were having discussions on the THP community where everyone's watching together as a group and talking about it, the conversation almost always ends up to why are you beating us to death with insert something? Yeah. Whether it's, uh, you know, Sevy in, in the last conversation or the endless commercials during some of these match play events, like there's, there's a clear right and wrong way to do it. And I feel like there, there's too many situations where it's so easy to do it right, but they're taking that next step for the overproduction part of it. Yeah, I think the overproduction part of it is one thing, and I think the commercials, and listen, I, I get the advertising dollar as much as anybody, probably more so. Um, but there is a better way to do this. Like, the golf coverage now is really, really rough. 
it, it's hard. I we just watched the last tournament, and in the first twenty minutes, because I decided to keep track, we saw I want to say nine golf shots, and and five of them were putts. Twenty minutes. I Man. mean, now granted, that's that's one golf shot for golfers at uh, an event or on a local course, but. Well, so it's hard, right? Because if you're a non-golf fan and you're having an argument with a golf fan and you say golf is boring as hell to watch, that there's a statistic right there that confirms it, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to watch does. a football game and watch 17 coin flips in 20 minutes. No, and the the hardest part about it is is watching the Masters every year and seeing how right they get it mm-hmm. and how wrong every other tournament gets it. But they don't need the dollar as much. What are your what's your take on the women's game right now? Because like there's obviously a lot of discussion about the availability of it, which I think is a critical piece of the conversation. But the, there is a, a, a clear intent to grow it, uh, and I'm wondering if you feel like they're handcuffed in any sort of way. Um, ooh, this is an interesting topic because it's something I'm pretty passionate about. Are they handcuffed? Not necessarily, but they're handcuffed to the extent of how many people care and, you know, forcing it down the throats, so to speak, isn't the way to gain viewership. Uh, We've seen it in every female sport for decades and golf probably being the best of them. If, you know, tennis was for a while, but tennis isn't as popular as it once was, um, it's a tough topic to discuss because people are really passionate. And at the same time, in the current day and age, you have to be really PC about it, which makes it even harder. Well, it, let's prop it up in one way and saying that women in golf have unbelievable abilities from oh, proximity yeah. to the hole, from a putting perspective. Like their precision game is otherworldly. And, I, and I feel like this is a one of, if not maybe the best sport that you can put this uh, this female product in front of people and and not only impress them, but also inspire them. To and most people should make their equipment decisions based on that. Yeah, because it's a, a, a hair closer to what's potential. Yeah, a hair closer, uh, similar distances. Yeah. So I, I think that is an interesting component. I just feel like I have to work too hard to watch the women's golf. Like It is harder now. Yeah, it, it, and it seems weird to me. But isn't golf coverage in general harder? Now, let's say, and you're a little different with your TV viewing habits, but let's say <laughs> you're like a lot of people where they still have traditional cable and they might have Netflix or Amazon Prime or another streaming service. The last tournament I watched, I had to change the channel three times to see a single day's coverage. Mm-hmm. Like I had to start on TV, then they switched to a different channel on TV, and then I had to find Peacock to watch the rest of it. Like that's so- awful. So in today's world, do you not think do you not think there's got to be some easy solution to at the very least do a couple of primetime holes or cover cover a couple of primetime pairings and and at least get that product available to consume uh, even in a service like ESPN Plus or something like that where the value is not huge uh, but people will watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that's necessary. I, I think, you know, they're viewing everything as kind of a win right now because the sponsorship dollars seem to be decent right now. Okay. Um, and I, I think that the play is really strong. Our country uh, doesn't necessarily view it the same as every country as far as female athletes are celebrated. Uh, and they probably should be for golf because we have some phenomenal ones. But I think that in general we have this strange mix of we need to give every athlete fill in the blank race, gender, sex, whatever it is, team location, everything the same. And that's really hard to put those blanket statements out there when the money has to be there too. And to relate it back to this sport and this league league for lack of a better term or organization, you are asking fans to watch which I am a fan and I watch. And then even I can't find it. Yeah. That's hard revenue dollars to get to these players Mm -hmm. to make us want to create the best of the best of the best because to do so takes money. Yeah. Tell it to hockey. (laughs) Yeah. 
That, that's a perfect example. Hockey's yeah. the great, perfect example. Yeah, you, hockey's you a crazy sport. I actually, was that Pat McAfee just went nuts talking about how much everyone should love hockey because it's yeah. just a an absolutely insane sport, and yet the uh, valuation is just dwarfed by uh, the NFL or the MLB or you know anything yeah, like and, that. You know, it's kind of funny as a person who spent the, a, a large portion of their life in Tampa where we have a hockey team, a baseball team, and a football team. And in one year, let's see, we won the Stanley Cup, won the Super Bowl, and went to the World Series. I mean, that that's a championship team. It happened to be the year I moved. Settle down. But, um, <laughs> it's interesting because hockey is so much bigger there than the other two sports. I mean, it's still a football town, but nobody goes to the baseball games, and the hockey arena is sold out every night. Um, we could end up talking hockey for a long time, so we should probably kill that. But it's a great parallel to what is going on between leagues if you yeah. do not get eyeballs on your league your league cannot grow end of story sure. you could we can have the media preach that it's the right thing to do constantly but if you can't get people who care it doesn't matter i love it i'm gonna ask you one last easy question what what would you call what do you what would you define as someone's hometown it, it, the, your hometown is where you live you know you could make the case that your hometown's where you were born in a survey setting but if people say we want to get to know you tell me your hometown you don't say i was born in guatemala but i i've lived in miami your whole life like nobody cares what about what about halfway through your life if somebody is asking canadan and they want to learn <laughs> a little bit about canadan where they're from yeah you don't say Toronto. You've lived in Cincinnati, Ohio for most of your life at this point. I would never claim Toronto as my hometown. That's crazy. Just stop. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <clears throat> I, I looked it up. It actually says it can be both, which shocked me because the only time I've ever talked with anyone, hometown is where you grew up. Always and forever. And then I think you and uh, golfer gal Morgan where are the you first grew up people. Still uses a toonie. <laughs> True. Uh, but it, it's not worth anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's also true joshua i love having our chats man there's a couple things i didn't get to but um that's okay throw them out there and we'll make it a teaser for the next time oh it's not healthy do you have anything for me today or do you have any crazy announcements about thv you want to drop on the show um yesterday we dropped the worldwide golf championship on the website if you haven't seen what that is check that out worldwide golf it's going to be amazing at briggs ranch um i do have a couple questions for you Okay. You know, why not stretch this into six hours? Sure. Um, since you and I will be playing together, I don't mean together as a team. I mean, together at the granddaddy. How's your game looking? Uh, good enough. Yeah. There's uh there's a lot of precision happening right, right now. Uh, the driver actually, um, went straight a bunch of times the other day, which was pretty wild for me. So, yeah, I, I'm actually very satisfied with my game. And I got a big trip coming up here with uh, the son and the grandfather to play a bunch of golf. So I'm going to be ready. Absolutely. Okay. And my next question is, you've talked on the show about the Odyssey event you went to. Yeah. And you got fit for a putter. And you've talked a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Can you give us kind of an update on where that is with the putter? Because it's totally different than what you would have used. Or have you already bagged it and you're using something <clears> else? <throat> no, it's the only thing that's going to be in my bag for the foreseeable future. Um, I've made it pretty clear that my intent is to put something in the bag that's different, uh, that fits me better. So my faith is in Mr. Verska. Um, I, I think the challenging thing, and I said this on the forum, we've got a great thread going on there with, with lots of discussion already on AI one, but I think the challenge with getting to know a new putter is when you play on Plinko, it's really hard to understand who's doing what wrong. So, you know, each each weekend it gets a little bit more clear as the as the greens um, heal a bit. But after this next week, I think I'll have a really nice idea. But uh, my perspective is it's one of the easiest putters I've ever put down inside 10 feet and felt like the putt I put on the ball is exactly where I was aimed. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, my final question. Mm -hmm. uh, the people have spoken and they want to know when Canadan's going to be back in the tech studio filming videos. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I, I just figured, you know, what better way than to put you on the spot and ask you, when is Canadan going to be making his way to Florida? Yeah. Are you saying we uh, need to set something up? No, I'm asking. When are you going to hit balls in the tech studio? For people? Yeah, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, no, it sounds like not a very good answer. It sounds like there's a lot of very 
tech studio worthy equipment coming out here soon. Oh, there is. Um, I'm telling you, wait, why not? I'm telling people right now, there is a golf ball line coming out. That's going to blow minds. Even if you don't fall in love with it, if you don't test this golf ball, you're an idiot. I'm I'm just calling people dumb right now. It's that good. And interestingly enough, you were a part of a show last night where the question was, what are you most excited about? And before they could even get a bout out of their mouth, you said driver. Yes, very much so. <laughs> it, it seems to me that uh, companies are really pushing the boundaries as what's possible, what we think is possible, or at least what we understand right now about product. And you know, this is a, an exciting part of the year for you just as much as it is anyone else. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked this year. So I don't get stoked every year, but I'm pretty stoked this year. And it's because I've seen pretty much everything that's coming out. Maybe everything. Um, and normally there's one or two things that I kind of gravitate towards. And people can usually tell on our online community because I'm in there a lot chatting. This year there's like 10. <laughs> and I, I told Morgan when I got back from California... Like, I don't know what to do. I, I, you can only have so many spots in the bag. Yeah. And that's the hard part because you just came back from the Srixon event, which obviously yeah. you played well at, but you also yeah. made the statement these ZX4 irons are freaking cheating. <laughs> they are cheating. <laughs> they are cheating. And they're, they're kind of slept on because the, oh, the, the sevens are sexy and the fives look great. The fours are virtually the same size as the fives, maybe slightly larger. Did they tighten them up a lot from the last one, didn't they? They're unreal. Hmm. I hit balls an inch and a half from the sweet spot. And an iron's not that big. Let's start with that. And was still putting. Wow. Like, Must have been big greens, yeah? Um, I mean, Briggs Ranch, it is Texas. Everything's <laughs> bigger in Texas. Oh, man. It's always, it's always an adventure question. with you. Yeah, okay, fine. One more question. So you're going down with your son to play golf, and then you have the granddaddy. Yes, sir. Will you have any other golf in between there? Like I know the holidays or anything like in between this trip for Thanksgiving and going to the granddaddy. Well, that's only about a week, isn't it? It's like a week and a half. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if the door opens for golf, I'm playing some golf for sure. That's uh, I'm I'm starting to understand what my willingness is to play. And as long as it's 40 ish with limited wind, I'm in. Let's go. That sounds horrifying. Well, you got to do what you got to do, man. We actually, uh, they've got some pretty cool simulator setups up here now that aren't too expensive. So maybe we'll get the boys together and go do some of that as well. We'll yeah, see. You could do it in the tech studio. Just throwing that out. <laughs> okay. Settle down. Uh, that's Josh Babbitt, everyone. He is the the host of Worst Golf Podcast. Of uh, You guys are closing in on episode 50, aren't you? Yeah, we're 50s coming up and soon. I don't know when. Soon. Awesome. Well, keep an eye out on the THP forum as they uh, like to update there when their next plan is to go live you can find them on youtube as well uh either way i look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks my friend you too we're gonna have some fun hey if you guys are out there playing golf this weekend have a great time make it count uh don't heckle the people in front of you too hard unless they're playing a four and a half plus and then let them know <laughs> i'll see you guys next week THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.